Welcome to another episode of Life in Commune, everybody. Back at it today. Back at it. We had an amazing little weekend. Mm-hmm. Not we a very do? little weekend. We had an amazing it weekend. Little, it was a nice little weekend. That's like that's, a, that's what people say. Like a nice little Saturday. <laughs> nice little Saturday. Yes, we had come a, on. Now, oh. now that you're a parent, you you have a nice little Saturday. You go to Home Depot. Oh, that's a come Sunday. On. Or like today, when after we record this podcast, we go into Costco. We're living that big life. It's a big day in the household. <laughs> Um, but this weekend, we actually did have a big weekend. So we ran an inversion intensive at Commune, 25 hours of all the things. Yeah, it was really fun. It was a really nice experience. If you remember in our podcast uh, from last week, last Thursday's podcast, Numbing vs. Nurturing, uh, these modules are one of our favorite things to teach <laughs> because it is a really nice format to share a lot of really valuable information and get to know people mm-hmm. and get to help them out on their practice journey. Yeah, and this module in particular we've been teaching for a very long time, but what I love about bringing it actually here to our home community was to be able to have some of our own teachers and students that we know, whereas usually we have four or five days to get to know students in a new community. This was great to dive in deeper with people that we see every day. Yeah, and there's also, it's a bit different to come home. Mm-hmm. Afterwards? Yeah, like the normal place that we live, not yes. the Airbnb or very the hotel or somebody's house, a friend's house, mm-hmm. like however, however it ends up our staying situation. Um, that's one of the funny things you have to get used to. Some people always ask me about like being a travel yoga teacher or what that's like and you just got to get used to staying in random spots sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, trainings usually, to me, my memory of every training is the students, the studio, and then whatever trek it is to and from our Airbnb. Exactly. So when we teach in London every year, it's always like, oh, what park are we biking through? Or mm. something like that. Something that's memorable about the journey because you make it back and forth every day. And you guys, it is a massive win that I got Carling to bike through the parks in London, especially because... You know, it's just a nice experience in the morning, nice way to start the day. Just a little cycle, Were you going to say, cruise. especially because I didn't used to know how to ride a bike? And in the past, it would have been impossible. I wasn't going to throw that subtle shade. No, it's not even about that. It's just really uh, that you're, you're such a person of routine in terms of things like that. And you wouldn't see, you wouldn't normally see a bike as like an, a quicker way of transportation or a more consistent way of transportation as opposed to like an uber or a or sub taking the tube. or a tube yeah like for example with the bike no matter what we have complete control right as long as we get there on time like it's going to be relatively the same commute time true a bike to me does not signal a commuter vehicle a consistent or thing. something that's like fast to me a bike is oh that's leisurely i'll just kind of like put around and hey i never think of it as a an actual people mover yeah well it doesn't have to be fast but it can be you know uh, well, i'm consistent. being faster yeah, you're pedaling. You, you, you pedal it up. You can get some pedaling in. It'll be interesting to see um, what it's oh. like when we're pedaling through with How her strapped to my pedal? chest. We are not going to pedal with her strapped to your chest. Uh, yes, we are. Is that allowed? We'll find out. But we'll see how we're we can unsure about London that. next month. For the record, for the record, we're unsure if we will do that or not. So don't, <laughs> don't, don't add us about don't, that. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't send those silly messages about that. That's the same with the other day, and this is a bit off topic, but also kind of funny. Uh, on Instagram stories, which I rarely ever post on, but I said that I was babysitting <laughs> the other day, and because uh, it was just me and Harvey hanging out, and people were like, "You're a parent. You're not babysitting." I was like, "No, you guys. For one, you don't understand this." I didn't think anything about what I said. Didn't mean anything it's, to me. There's nothing behind it. But for two, I literally am babysitting because it is my baby and I'm sitting there making sure she stays alive. <laughs> two, so correct languaging. And for three, this is the way I look at 
the current parenting situation between Carling and I. It's very much like Stranger Things. And so if you know the show, maybe this will make a bit more sense to you. If you don't know the show, this is going to be completely over your head. (laughs) But in our parenting situation, Carling is 11 from Stranger Things, and I am literally every other character. So I'm good to keep the plot going. You're I'm Dustin, good. you're Will. I'm everybody. You're Billy. I'm, li- I'm literally everybody, save for <laughs> the Mind Flayer. The Mind Flayer is when she goes full Your hair is very, is very, we could put you in the Billy category, for sure. My hair's better than that. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. He has the bad mustache. True. Either way, um, I'm everybody else, right? I can keep the plot going. I can try and come up with solutions mm-hmm. to the problem at hand. I can, you know, try and be quick and witty and and on the tip of my toes and super responsive and keep everyone's mood up. But at the end of the day, when the mind flayer comes, when when little Harvey goes full pterodactyl, there's only one solution, and that is mom, aka Carling, also known as Eleven. Right. So when when time when the time comes to seal the gate, (laughs) there's only one person that's really sealing the gate. And that's Carling. So, uh, you know, with that, that that's where it comes from. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I saw your story because I was gone. And I don't think of it. Babysitting didn't trigger me at all. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the other half. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the Internet is a, is a, a wondrous place yeah. where people think all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we will actually do a, um, a podcast soon about funny comments that we get from people. And then, and then just explaining the, the back-end logic behind some of them and, and going into some of that stuff. Because it actually is interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. That one was just a funny one to me. Yes. Uh, and what were we talking about before that? We were talking about our inversion training. Oh, yes. Because we're actually doing one of these in London in a few weeks. So yes. that's, that's kind of where all this stemmed from. Yes. So. so we're going there and running the same program that we ran in Seattle this weekend. Yeah. In the middle of October. I think yes. like the 16th to 20th. Something around there. Yeah, so you can find the information on patrickbeach.com or in Dava's website. Mm-hmm. But. So this weekend, we had 25 hours with a crew of about 25 yogis in the studio. And basically, these weekends are kind of uh, immersion drop-ins to a specific topic. So this weekend, we really looked at all of the, the mainstay inversions in the yoga asana practice. So everything is through the yoga asana lens. Um, it's not hand balancing. It's not necessarily calisthenics. It's, it's yoga. It's inversions in the context of yoga, but not with yoga alignment. Because sometimes there's Mm -hmm. people think there's like, there's a yoga handstand and there's a gymnastics gymnastics handstand. No, there's just a handstand. Yes. There's just, there's just one. Yeah. So a lot, there's alignment biomechanics. We look at things through the lens of yoga asana. So in terms of sequencing and putting together not only classes for teachers, but even more than that, home practices for all the students. So that way everyone can go home from these programs with uh, some some thoughts and education around what they might need in their own home practice to make these postures more of a reality for them. Yeah. And one of the things that we really believe in when it comes to inversions is your home practice Mm -hmm. because it helps you find a natural rhythm with going upside down. And it also just adds a bit more of a diligence and a dedication to the practice that I think is hard to find in a normal classroom setting because in so many yoga rooms all over the world, you maybe get one or two chances to really handstand in a class unless you're super proficient mm-hmm. and then you can find ways to sneak in stuff. But if you're not proficient yet, you're but you're really willing to learn, you need to find that time at home to kind of build into your skill set 
and then get comfortable to try more in the class. And that's what I love about immersions and about workshops in general is it just gives you time to sort of zero in and hone in on something and it's not the pressure of a class setting of this is my one chance like make or break that you can really break it down and look critically at what's happening and so it really is much more of a a learning experience open for questions and conversation and I for me as a teacher this stuff is really fun to teach not that class isn't but this is fun because you get to actually dialogue with people about everything yeah and you see a lot of aha moments Mm -hmm. in real life which I think is so cool because Oftentimes, a lot of those moments, especially if it's in a class, like remember the first time you did handstand in class mm-hmm. and you were like, Patrick, Patrick, I did it. No. And I was like, I'm doing my own handstand. But I wanted validation <laughs> that someone saw this happening because did it really happen if no one else witnessed it? I was, I remember whispering from upside down and then being like, oh my God, I'm up here long enough to talk. Yeah. Patrick, this totally counts. <laughs> yeah. It's me. Yeah. I'm hey, here. Hey, hey, pay attention Look, to me. My feet aren't on the ground. Yeah. Pay attention to me. Oh, yeah. Good job. Yeah. Right, but it is in these types of settings that feels totally warranted. You don't feel like you're pulling yourself out of the practice or disrupting class, and it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm not doing the yoga anymore because these workshops are much more specific and broken down. So it's fun to kind of work through those moments and be there for people. Yeah, and the way we generally set them up is we always have a long practice session in the morning Mm -hmm. that's um, between two and two and a half hours, and then we uh, take a break and then we follow that up with lecture and breakdown mm-hmm. slash workshop in the afternoon. Yeah, a lot session. of skills and drills and exercises in the afternoon and, and working together so you can mm-hmm. see other people's bodies um, and start to interact and especially for teachers, not that you have to be a teacher in these programs, but for teachers it's a really wonderful little chance to actually speak to your students after you work on things instead of just kind of, you know, in class you work on it and then you walk away. Yeah, as a student it's really nice because you get to just hone in on your own mm-hmm. stuff. And as a teacher, it's nice because you kind of get a two for one, meaning yeah. that you get the opportunity to work on your own stuff, but then also the opportunity to observe other body types exactly. and see our perspective and our opinion on mm-hmm. positioning and body movement. Again, just if you're a teacher, you get a little bit more juice almost yeah. from the experience because you can... you see a bit more of where we are coming from. You have that teacher's lens. That yeah, you you're play. already seeing things through that mm-hmm. eye, which I think is is something that develops over time as a teacher, but being in these type of workshop environments helps you sort of click into it. Yeah, which is really nice. Um, so from this weekend, we actually wanted to share a few of the takeaways just from this group mm-hmm. and also uh, give you guys three tips that will help you on your journey no matter where you are yes. on, in the process of going upside down. And again, in, these relate to any inversion, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. please know these are not handstand specific or form balance specific or headstand specific. These are just really general things. And of course we'll tap into some specifics, but in reality, these are incredibly important for just going upside down in general. Mm-hmm. What's number one? Well, I think the first thing, definitely for me on my personal journey, But for most of us with inversions, it's to remind ourselves that it's really like 80% mental, 20% physical. Yes. Because most people are intimidated and the thing I hear the most is, I'm not strong enough to go upside down, my arms aren't strong enough, my core's not strong enough, I need to do more core work before I can hold myself up. All sorts of preconceptions about what kind of strength we need or about what we don't have physically to go upside down when really I think that this journey is 80 even maybe 90 percent mental and the physical certainly is a requirement but it's not the only thing happening 
I think the mental journey is incredibly important because it's different for all of us. It's the one thing that is 100% unique to the individual. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Whereas a lot of the skill work or the true physical work is relatively the same, no matter your uh, level of strength, flexibility, Mm -hmm. proportions, all that stuff. There's genuinely, or generally, not genuinely, but generally, a formula to follow Mm -hmm. that's really helpful. But the mental side of it is something that is completely your own, and it may be uh, a journey into confidence for you. Mm -hmm. It may be a journey into trust. It may be a journey out of fear. Mm -hmm. It may be a journey of really any kind. I think everybody kind of embraces a different challenge when it comes to going upside down. So giving yourself the opportunity to truly have your own experience when you're learning is really important because it helps you appreciate the process. Well, yeah, and not to discredit yourself because you might be afraid um, or nervous or unsure if you even want to go upside down. All of those things are really valid. And I think when we take the focus off of just the physical and give ourselves permission to feel whatever we're feeling around this part of the practice, then all of a sudden that's how we start that that journey, mm-hmm. right? Because we have to acknowledge that this is just as important as the physical, if not more. And that if we can't get through the mental stuff, then the physical, it doesn't matter at all, right? If you can't yeah. get through the, the bullshit in your head first. Completely agree. And also to tie into that, there's a second mental component um, that that's really interesting and it's about letting go. And I think for one, letting go of the failure Right, because yeah. you're gonna fail. It's like part of we've the all failed. It's part of the process. Well, you're gonna right? fall, right? You're gonna and fall, and and not not even like I don't like, mean necessarily not hard literally, falls, but yeah. just like you're gonna like you're gonna jump and not stick it a, yeah. a number of times, right? So obviously there's that part, but then there's also the letting go of any preconceived success you've already had, mm. and I think that stuff is really really important because let's say you can like kick up and you can kind of hold yourself there for 15 seconds Mm -hmm. Um, I'm talking about handstand right you can kind of hold yourself there for 15 seconds but you know your form is a little janky and that's the only reason you can hold it for 15 seconds but you're kind of like I can do a handstand I like that and I like that Mm -hmm. and so you have to be like wait I have to let go of that well it's a little bit of ego ego check completely I have to move past like if I want to progress I have to move past my um, previous success, mm-hmm. quote unquote, or my my previous knowledge to try and gain new knowledge. So it helps you actually open up your mind. Well, yeah, a and get bit. out of your own way because sometimes we get way. so stuck in what we can already do or, that we're not. What we already believe. Yeah, and and the st- like the narrative we already have about ourselves that mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to let go of that, even if it means that's the only way to progress. Yes. Right. Sometimes we're like, well, I can already do this, and I don't. That's fine. Yeah. And so. It, yeah, it's, it's an ego check all around, but not in a bad way. No, just more in a way of are you learning? Are you being open-minded or closed-minded? Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that really comes into play here, right? Like if you can do something, it's really easy to immediately close your mind off around that specific topic. Yeah, because you've kind of already checked the box. In, in you're your like, mind, I can already do this. You're checking the box. Mm-hmm. But if you keep your mind open... And you're like, okay, I can do this, but with this new information, can I continue to grow? Mm-hmm. And that is just something I think that's really, really important Yes. Um, when it comes to inversions and really anything in general, but especially uh, in terms of the yoga practice when it comes to going upside down, like having a growth mindset is a really nice thing to focus on. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what's your second tip? Uh, tip number two would be all about comfort. Very important. Yeah. Which I mean, Getting cozy. It ties into the, the mental journey because for someone like me who was very fearful when I was learning to invert, I wasn't comfortable there at all. Mm-mm. Right? And, and I, I didn't know I how to get comfortable. most people aren't. Yes. I and, would venture to say. And certainly that's natural, right? We spend most of our time sitting, standing, laying mm-hmm. with our head above our hips. And so whether you're literally just in dolphin pose or legs up the wall or whatever it is, it's not your quote unquote natural position. So it's totally normal to feel discomfort um, and be a little unsure about the process. Completely. I also like that you stole my line there. What? The, the sitting, standing, or oh, lying. Oh, I know. I heard it somewhere. Before. You've heard it. <laughs> I think I've said it a few times. Mm-hmm. It's really true, though. It's really, really true, you guys, um, or everybody, however you want to position that self. Y'all. Uh, being comfortable when you're upside down and learning to breathe there is such an important part of the process. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's just not a normal place to be. Mm-hmm. It's not an overly challenging place to be physically, like the mechanical side of it. Yes, yeah. Obviously, we were talking about just a second ago, the mental side. That is a, that's a different beast. Mm-hmm. But mechanically... Well, and inversions-wise, this doesn't even have to be the most uh, advanced inversion you can think of. Yeah. Mechanically, downward-facing dog is an inversion. Yeah. So that may be equally as uncomfortable for you, getting used to that sensation and what it's like and just holding yourself there. Um, this can go anywhere along the spectrum. Yeah, so if you're working on your inversion practice, one of my first tips that I give to everybody is find time upside down. And I, so if you're using the wall for support, awesome. Get up there and just hold for time. And this goes for any inversion. Mm-hmm. But when you're using the wall, don't try and balance. Mm. I think that's a key point to really remember. Mm-hmm. Just use the wall for what it's there for. Support. Support. Let it support you. It's incredibly challenging to balance next to something that is there to support you. Oh, yeah. You just keep tapping. <laughs> you want to keep tapping. Yeah. It's like even, you know, at any point in your practice, if you happen to be a place in the room where there's a wall next to you and all of a sudden you're doing tree pose, it's mm-hmm. like, wow, this is the wobbliest tree I've ever done. Ever done. Ever, ever done. And yeah. so it's really, really natural to just reach for it. And that's what happens with the wall in any inversion. It's like your best friend until it's your worst enemy because you're constantly you're t- constantly judging your balance based off of your proximity to the wall instead of finding it on your own accord. So I think the wall is better, like you're saying, for a component to just support you, to help you build strength and stamina and get comfortable there instead of trying to use it to teach you how to balance. Because yeah, that's a skill it, that's going to come in the middle of the room, not with the is, wall. It is not coming with the wall. It's not. And you that guys, is a false, 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 <laughs> false belief. Yeah, a bad practicing habit yes. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, if you even want to test this out on your own, not going upside down, just like Carling said, Take your tree pose with your standing leg about six inches away from the wall. Mm-hmm. And, and then take your tree pose in the middle of the room mm-hmm. and just notice how much better you balance mm-hmm. in the middle of the room. If you are next to that wall, your body is going to natural. naturally reach for it. Mm-hmm. It's going to naturally, oh, it's, yeah. just, it's just right there. It makes sense. It's a yeah. survival mechanism. Yeah, it's no, but really it mm-hmm. is. And, 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 and that's what a lot of this comes back to is your body will naturally do things for survival and you want to understand those things and then learn to play them for their advantages Mm -hmm. right so if you're using the support okay great i'm upside down i'm holding for time and i'm building my strength how long can i stay engaged while i'm upside down versus uh 
can I bring a foot to tap the wall and then oh bring it off for a split mm-hmm. second then tap back and well and, and then we're not getting back. the the um, strength and stamina aspect of it right because we're if you're focusing on balancing and it's only a split second at a time you're just missing an opportunity to get comfortable and spend more time literally upside down because again there's nothing to say that any of your, your inversions really have to ever leave the wall you could certainly do everything always with the support of the wall especially if that's where you are comfortable mm-hmm. so letting go of that need to balance when you're there and instead just use the wall for what it's good for exactly Mm -hmm. tip number three tip number three um i suppose this goes for any aspect of the asana practice or like maybe literally anything in life but it's about knowing your foundations oh i like it yeah I, i mean i don't think this can be understated how important it is especially in the inversion practice and in life in general yes an allegory for all of life an allegory for all things today So knowing your foundations and building strong foundations Mm -hmm. and then committing to your foundations. Yes. So all three prongs, right? Because so often we think we know our foundations. Yes. We have a belief about ourselves. We have a a belief about ourselves. And we really need to strive to make sure that knowledge is honest and correct. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Or true. I yeah. Mean, true to you. True right? to you and true in that moment. Yeah. Because it may fluctuate. Because it, because it fluctuates, right? And so, again, like for example, with a headstand, mm-hmm. like a Shirshasana, a classic variation with your forearms down on the ground. Mm-hmm. When you're in that position, are your shoulders by your ears or are you pushing your forearms down, mm-hmm. lifting the shoulders away, building strength in the shoulders so you can take weight off of the head? Yeah. I mean, just because you can do headstand, but what are you really doing in when headstand? Because I think oftentimes we get so wrapped up in accomplishing the goal, accomplishing mm-hmm. the task, especially in asana-based classes where it's, okay, do headstand. Okay, do X, Y, and Z that we just go okay, I can do it. And so we compromise our foundations in order to achieve the task. Exactly. And with a posture like headstand, at the end of the day, our goal is not to just do headstand. It's to be strong and supported and safe and integrated in the posture. And that means we have to have really strong foundations to rely on and not just aesthetic goals to get to. Exactly. And again, compromising your foundations, just like compromising your character in different situations as well, right? Which is something that we all have done. Yeah. Everybody, right? Yeah. Especially when you're younger. Like All of us. When, when, when in that middle school, high school age, when you're, you know. We don't need to go there. <laughs> not about you need to go there, but just really like understanding that, oh, how your personality would just randomly evolve for every group of people that you're with. Like there's very no. Very adaptable there's, when you're, you're 12. Very adaptable, right? There's no, you're, you're learning so much of the world that mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not, it's almost not even natural for you to have a foundation to mm-hmm. your character because you're trying to discover what that character is. Yes. Right? Yes. And so. Uh, as you begin to progress along the journey, like finding your foundations, mm-hmm. beginning to learn to trust them, beginning to identify strengths and weaknesses of them. Like, like let's say you're a really strong person physically, mm-hmm. but you have limited shoulder mobility. Yeah, like a really muscle-bound. Really muscle-bound yeah. person. Okay, so your foundation is rock solid, but it's also not very adaptable, mm-hmm. not very pliable. Yeah, can't, not very mobile. Can't be very many things, mm-hmm. right? And so that's going to really limit you or make you have to work harder when you're in the inversion because you're not getting a clean line of energy in your body yeah you're probably overworking most likely mm-hmm. right kind of all the time bound up and like holding yourself there exactly so it's just it's, it's not, not a lot it's, of efficiency it's, it's not really a balance even it's more just like you're holding the weight of your body above your head yeah right? you're just like with Bench all of your physicality yourself. exactly yes. mm-hmm. just raw power which again it's a way to learn this stuff don't get me wrong yeah, yeah it's, it's a way it's a way but 
when you begin to understand your foundations, then you can work to solidify the mm-hmm. parts that aren't really serving you and then begin to trust and cont- and build upon them. Well, you can adjust and tailor forward. your journey to what you need because mm-hmm. even though we're saying foundations as if they're sort of this uniform thing, we all have a baseline to which we're coming to this practice from. Yep. We all have these like genetic or predisposition bits about ourselves, whether it's mental or physical, that just are what they are when we show up. So we have to accept and learn to work with those, and then we can apply the principles of what we're doing on top of it. But if you don't have a clear sense of what you're working with, then it's going to be really, really hard to tailor the journey to you. And that's when we end up just blindly following some universal, like, so-and-so, and wondering why it doesn't work for us. Wondering we're not why we're not seeing what we want. I think it's, you could see this literally anywhere you look in the world right now. Yeah, definitely. Because, again, there's so much advice being handed out. And, again, even in this podcast, we're handing out <laughs> advice, right? Let us give you some more tips. Yeah. Um, and these tips are from our own experience mm-hmm. and from from teaching people and, and trying to help them find their own path. And, and you can even see with a lot of what we're doing in terms of our work, it's all about self-recognition, self-realization, mm-hmm. and then taking action based on those things. And yes. I think that is uh, one, of the, one of the best ways to think about your foundations for your inversions, mm-hmm. right? Begin to know yourself, know what your natural predisposition mm-hmm. is, especially when it comes to the, essentially from your hand to your hips, mm-hmm. right? Begin to create an awareness, uh, strength, uh, conditioning in those areas, and that's going to help tremendously when you're upside down. I like that though, because I think it's empowering to think about it mm-hmm. this way, and it gives um, all of us more agency in the process instead of just feeling like we're at the mercy of um, a certain way that we're supposed to do things. And if it doesn't work for us, well, then, like, oh, it's just not for me. Yeah, it's just not for And me. that's not true. I mean, the whole point of these types of immersions and intensive programs we run is to help everyone who shows up realize that. The whole practice is for you. You just have to figure out the way to make it work best. Yeah. Right? There is there is a way that everyone has access to all parts of this practice, but they're going to look and feel different. And so our job is to help guide you in the right direction so that you feel comfortable and confident and know yourself a little bit more clearly, and you can make these postures work for you. Look at you dropping a little bit of was knowledge. That, was that a good one? <laughs> yes, that was good. Thanks. All day, Carling Harps. I'll take it. I have been lecturing all weekend. So, <laughs> so I'm in the zone. You're, you're locked in in the zone. You know what's so nice? This is on topic, off topic, but just to sit in a room full of adults and talk. To not just talk to Harv? Yeah, to not just talk and baby speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was really nice this weekend to kind of feel like back at work, I mean, with intermissions yeah. to hang out with Harvey and things like that because um, she was obviously at the training. Um, but it was really refreshing for me as well. Back into your sense of who you are. Yeah, back to my own foundations. Was Without really being nice. a parent. Yeah, it was really nice. It was very refreshing, and I'm very glad. Even though at first I was... And you didn't even get that many questions about being a parent. No, I think everyone... Which is like, also really, really nice. Yes, but I think everyone kind of saw me there trying to juggle Harvey and, and the training, and I, I felt like everyone was very respectful of like when we were in the session, that's what we were doing, and it yeah. was, there was no... Uh, what about Harvey kind of conversation. And even Harvey was pretty good. Harvey was pretty good, pretty well behaved for yeah. a baby. Yeah, almost a better actor than Yokai in the workshop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tough, tough second. Because when people get sweaty, Yokai gets friendly. Yeah, yeah, he starts walking around licking sweat off of people, and you know, that's only that's only in favor for about half the population. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't even say I'm always in that half. I'm, I'm not all the time. <laughs> and, I, and I deal with him all, all the, the time. time. Every second, so... 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, those are the big tips, I think. The big takeaways, um, there's one million more, but you have to come to an inversion intensive to, to hear the other million. <laughs> uh, I think it's hard to talk about raw physicality without visual format. Oh, so. certainly. And, you know, we can't speak to anything besides the people that are in front of us each time. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, when you're starting or anywhere along the journey, I think going through these steps can make a big difference, right? Reminding yourself that the mental aspect is oftentimes more than the physical aspect on this journey. Learning to help yourself get comfortable being mm-hmm. upside down, mm-hmm. right? Taking that time, giving yourself... Embracing the support. Embracing the support, um, you know, and then knowing and committing to your foundations, right? Beginning to know yourself, find that self-realization, self-actualization, and then let that lead to your own growth, your mm-hmm. own evolution, and um, your own explorations. As always, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, We hope to chat with you again soon. Have an amazing day.